Welcome back, friends. Lost Guy here, and it's time for the second episode of Kirby's Dreamland. And thanks for coming back. So, there's something I realized after the first episode, and that was I did something wrong, and that is I made an assumption that you know who all the characters are from Kirby right back at you. That was wrong because I've listened to podcasts about shows and books where I've never actually watched the show or read the book. I was just really entertained by the hosts and the subject matter, and it was just really good. So I'm going to try to do better explain characters in the episodes as we go forward. Might space them out to later. Like, I'm not talking about Meta Knight this episode, but I will next episode because it'll be more prominent then. But I'll talk about other characters this time. Try not to get too bogged down in the characters as we talk about the story and everything of each episode. We're going to talk about Kirby right back at you episode 2. But before we go about that, I should probably at least make one assumption that is that you know who Kirby is. But somehow, in case you don't, Kirby's that little pink uh, puffball who's really badass. He's really cute, he's really cool, he's a badass little guy. He's been my favorite since the start. I got the first game for my birthday. My birthday's August 25th, the game came out on the 1st of August. By the way, considering the time, if I realized it came out on the 1st of August sooner, I would have recorded the first episode right before, like way sooner, so that we could have released on the anniversary, because the 26th anniversary was on the 1st of August. Doe. Just doe. Now that's in America. The game came out in Japan, on the 27th of April, 1992, and yeah, we could have we could have premiered on the premiere. So my bad on that one, not realizing the dates. But Kirby has been my favorite always. I don't remember how old I was. Let's see here. Okay, I was eight years old. I was about to turn eight, and I got a Game Boy, and I got Kirby's Dream Land, and it was awesome. And yes, been my favorite ever since. Such a good game back then. And someday we're going to play it in the future so that I can just go over that and talk about that entirety. Like, we'll talk about the making of it, just about the levels, everything in a future episode for dang sure. But I've always had to explain why Kirby's my favorite. Because, like, it's just a little pink puff. I was like, come on. Not just that. He's, he's this happy little guy who always believes. He believes in himself. He believes in you. He believes in everybody. He fights hard for what's right. He's just a good guy. He saves the universe over and over and over again persevering through so much trouble, keeps a smile on his face, sometimes angry, sometimes sad, but for the most part, happily getting through things. He's got so many cool powers, and he's just, he's just so cool. Just, just total badass. Love playing Kirby and everything. Love him in Smash. He's even better in Ultimate, by the way. I got to play him at Comic-Con Ultimate. I spent so many hours playing him and other characters. Loving what they did with Kirby in that game. And it's just great. And the biggest thing is what came out recently, and that, of course, was Kirby Star Allies. Kirby Star Allies is just such a really good game, so it's a new generation seeing Kirby, and I'm just so happy about that, because Kirby's awesome, and so many new people are seeing how awesome he is. And with the Dream Friends in that game, which is an uh, ability to get characters from older games in that game as your allies, it's just so awesome. And we will talk about Kirby Star Allies way into the future, way, because that's the newest game, but someday we will talk about Star Allies, there's so much to go over with that one as well. But let's now talk about Kirby right back at ya. Episode 2, A Blockbuster Battle. Or the Japanese name is, oh no, The Search for the Soldier's House. Something I notice is American titles are like, they're trying, they give you some idea what's going on, but they're, they try to be more, more punny, more referency, not giving away the story. Japanese titles always give away the story. Like there's like, next episode we see what happens. This character dies. Oh no, Japanese names just always give away what's going on. So if you don't like spoilers, then never look at the Japanese title. So I'm really debating if I want to keep showing the, saying the Japanese titles or not. Also because the title's kind of weird because 
The search for the soldier's house, because Kirby's considered a soldier in the Japanese version, while in the English version, he's a star warrior. And yeah, search for his house. Well, they're going to make him one. You'll see in this episode. Let's talk about it. So the episode opens with King DDD and Escargoon spying on Kirby. Let's talk about these two. King DDD has been the antagonist of Kirby since the first game, Kirby's Dreamland. He's a big penguin with a big mallet, and he's a jerk. In recent years, he's become an ally of Kirby because he just can't beat Kirby, and they keep having to fight galactic threats to the planet. Like, things keep trying to destroy Popstar for different reasons, and obviously, he doesn't want that to happen, so he joins up with Kirby. I forgot to mention Popstar last episode, by the way. Popstar is the planet they're on. It looks like a giant star, by the way. It, it's, it's pretty cool. And Dreamland is the kingdom they're on, and King DDD owns that land. So that's where they are. Now, there's also Escargoon. Did not mention him last time. Escargoon is an anime-only character. He's basically King DDD's second command. King DDD is a bully, and Escargoon is that typical second command character that schemes with the bully. I think Escargoon is totally into King DDD, by the way. And they play it up a bit with the writing of jokes here and there throughout the show. Really, I, I think he's into him. I just really do. But as stated last episode, King Diddy has a southern accent for some reason. We gotta get rid of Kirby somehow before he gets settled in here. And Oscar Good is more of an effeminate voice. Well, King Diddy, if you want my opinion, who wants your opinion? I know it's influenced from something, but I can't think of where it's influenced from, where he's doing that voice from. But it, it just works so well having them together. And here's something that surprised me when I was researching Oscar Goon. People want him to show up in, car in Star Allies. But here's the thing, he actually has shown up in a game before. Kirby's Mass Attack, which unfortunately I have not played, we will play, he and King Dedede show up in one attack, apparently. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Apparently there's like a level in Mass Attack that is just the anime, and they're there. So can't wait to see that. So back to the show, they're spying on Kirby, they want to get rid of Kirby before he gets settled in, and while they're spying on Kirby, they show Kirby with Tiff and Tuff playing with Tops, and some of the Cappy Kids, and it's incredibly cute. I, I made a clip of it for Twitter. It's, it's, it's too cute. Just so cute. So King Dedede decides he wants to go summon another monster deal with Kirby. King Dedede has a TV and summoning machine set up in his throne room for summoning monsters. So every time he sits there, you can probably expect that's what's going to happen. And so we get introduced to Nightmare Enterprises again, just a little bit more. And they tell him now that they know they're dealing with a Star Warrior, they'll give him some stronger monsters to deal with Kirby. So, more information on Nightmare Enterprises gets revealed as the show goes on, and we'll talk about the voice actor of Nightmare Enterprises, frontman in the future, like, for now he's just called the Salesman. Welcome back to Nightmare Enterprises online monster site, King DDD. So in the scene, Nightmare Enterprises has a number of baddies in the background, but aside from looking kind of like monsters in Kirby's games, I don't recognize any of them as actual enemies from the games. So then the monsters attack the sales guy to show their ferocity, but King DDD is unimpressed. He wants a monster that can get rid of Kirby for good. Then they cut to the opener, which is still so awesome. I love this opener. So after the opener, the episode starts proper. But before we get going, I should talk about a voice actor. And that is Makiko Omoto. That is Kirby's voice actress. She's well known as the voice of Kirby and everything. Like everything. She's in the games, the anime. When you hear Kirby, it is her. It's always her. She's also the voice of Rick in the anime for the Japanese version. And the voice of Susie in Planet Robobot. She's done a few other Nintendo Japanese voices, such as Lynn for Fire Emblem and Ness from... Earthbound in Smash Brothers. She has also voiced a whole lot of anime, mostly as extra characters. We're going to go over Meta Knight as the next voice character we'll talk about next episode. So they start wipe to the episode, and the kids are playing jump rope. Yeah, Falalo and Falala holding the jump rope with each kid taking turns to jump. So usually you'll see Kirby's group as a smaller group of just Kirby with Tiff and Tuff, but on occasion you'll see a full group, which is them with Falalo, Falala, and three cappies named Iro, Spikehead, and Honey. 
we'll go over these kids in the future when they inevitably get more screen time than just being extras. I'm sure they will since there's 100 episodes. And if I'm wrong, well, we'll talk about them eventually. This scene really shows the difference between the original and the four kids version. In the original version, the kids just count up as they play jump rope. And the music's pretty, like, leisurely picnic-like music. But in the four kids version, they make fun of King Dedede as they're playing jump rope. And I had to say them because they're great. The first one is one and one and one is three. We don't like King DDD. Well, in the Japanese version, it would just be each knee, son, like, like that. The second one they say is two and two and two is six. He weighs the same as a ton of bricks. Like, I like it. So the third joke gets interrupted because it's Kirby's turn to do jump rope. And as he makes his attempt, Kirby jumps a bit high and takes the jump rope in the face. And Kirby gets up and this is the first time we see angry Kirby. Everyone has a laugh, and then Rain interrupts their fun. Everyone runs to the mayor's house for cover, except Kirby. Kirby actually runs up a tree and goes into a hole, but gets kicked out by Takori. Now, initially, I thought Takori was pitched from Kirby's Dreamland 3, but I was very wrong. Turns out, the only, they only go as far as, like, Kirby's Dreamland 2, as far as characters from what I can tell, so no pitch. So, Takori shows up and kicks Kirby out of the tree, and Takori is this ornery little green bird who is a real jerk to everybody, especially Kirby. Listen up, Junior, this is my nest. No pingles allowed. Now hit the road. He calls him a bunch of nicknames, some of them not so nice. But over time, these two characters are going to get really close. Because Kirby doesn't hate anyone. He's just buddies with everyone for the most part. And eventually, Takori will warm up to him while still being a jerk. And what's cool is later on, Takori will show that he actually can understand Kirby's polio speak, which is very interesting. Still, he's a jerk and Kirby puts up with him. And here's the interesting thing about Takori. He's got a gruff redneck accent for the show. And something that probably helps with that is the fact that his name in Japanese is very similar to Takuri, which is just change it over for a U, which means liquor bottle. So he's an ornery bird because he's a liquor bottle. Makes sense to me. The kids ask Takori to let Kirby stay up on the tree for cover, but Takori says no after kicking him off the tree. It looks super sad just seeing little Kirby in the rain. Tiff realizes that Kirby needs a place to stay and asks the mayor's wife if Kirby can stay there. She remembers Kirby eating everything in episode one and shuts the window on the kids laughing about them making a joke. Like, there's no way they actually want her to keep Kirby there. But after the rain settles, they ask Chef Kawasaki to let Kirby stay there. Chef Kawasaki is this big orange chef guy. He's a mid-boss that Kirby has been fighting in a lot of the games since Kirby's Superstar. But in the show, he's just a friendly chef, not an enemy. The chef at first doesn't want Kirby there, but after learning that King Dedede hates him, the chef takes him in, because any enemy of King Dedede is a friend of Chef Kawasaki. Then we get to see Kirby as a waiter, and it's too cute. It is so cute. He carries food to customers, and is just friendly the whole time, and, and it's just cute. He just goes to the kitchen, gets some food, takes it to somebody, does it over and over again, and it's- I need- I need to learn how to draw this, it's just too cute. But then King Dedede and Escargoon show up. An interesting joke happens here, where King Dedede orders some food, and lastly, he wants some grilled snails, which, of course, this cartoon suggests no on that last part. The kids know that King Dedede never eats out, and then we see why they came. As Kirby comes out with some food, he gets tripped by a cane. And as you can tell, it is from King Dedede. Then later, when Kirby comes out with food, they move their table back so the food falls to the floor. They then proceed to play a bunch of tricks on Kirby that makes him crash into walls and tables, and eventually getting him kicked out of the restaurant. I'm calling it the first baby beating of the episode, because Kirby takes a bit of a beating, over the course of trying to give food to people, because King Dedede and Escargoon are total jerks. Chef Kawasaki wants Kirby gone, and the kids protest, saying King Dedede calls all that, but Chef Kawasaki can't fire the king, so Kirby's out. Then that insult to injury, King Dedede tries to run over Kirby and splashes a puddle of water into Kirby's face. Something admirable about Kirby is just how much the world beats him down, and he just keeps getting back up. Like, he just doesn't let it get him down. He is a baby, so he doesn't fully understand 
I suppose, sadness. Well, he gets sad at times, but he doesn't fully understand that he shouldn't be enduring all this with a smile, but it's part of his charm in his characters that Kirby just does not hate people. He just goes forward, but he never shows, like, hate. That's a very interesting thing about Kirby, because, man, the world beats him down a lot. So then they cut to King Dedede conspiring with Tokori to make sure Kirby doesn't find a place to stay. They next try to get Kirby to live with the museum curator, Professor Biblio. They try to convince him to let Kirby stay there as an assistant. And while they're doing that, Takori pushes a priceless artifact on top of Kirby, and it causes Kirby to fall and break it. Which, of course, makes Professor Biblio extremely, extremely sad. Not so great, so they take Kirby out of there. Then they try to get Kirby to stay with Gus, the cappy that owns the gas station. Yes, if Kirby can pump gas, and the kids say he won't hit the wrong buttons. But while that's happening, Takori tricks Kirby into pushing a button, and boom! They get blown to a hillside, and of Gus, of course, doesn't want Kirby after that. I'm counting Takori's antics as baby beating number two, because, well, Kirby surfaces a lot at his wings. There were two more locations in the Japanese version that are not in the American version, and you'll get why in a sec. Before the professor, they want the Chief Bookham Station, where Kirby has a hat and a badge. This is where we get the gif of Kirby firing it off an Uzi. It's caused by Takori dropping it into Kirby's hands, and Kirby just frantically fires it because he doesn't know what he's doing with it. The thing is, he actually almost just shoots everybody and totally destroys the police station on accident. The second location is Samo's Bar, and of course there's drinking here. And they actually in Japanese room talk about how Kirby's underage, so he can't really stay there. We get to see Kirby with his mixed power outfit from the Kirby games. That's him with a, with a little bow tie, and he's got a mixer in his hands. I can't remember how far back it, it is. I, don't, I think it might be as far back as Kirby Superstar, maybe earlier than that, where Kirby, if he sucks up two powers, the little power you'll see, a portrait of him, is him with a mixer and a bow tie, and that's where that's from. But Takori switches the mixer with a beer barrel, and Kirby gets everyone drenched in alcohol, which is not so great. We can get why those got cut out. Gun violence and alcohol in 2002. Yeah, they ain't gonna pass. So surprisingly, the next thing the kids try to do is get Takori's tree to be where Kirby lives. And Koo the Owl shows up. Koo is from Kirby's Dreamland 2. He's one of the three animal friends that Kirby has that helps him out in that game. He's a purple owl that is held in high regard for his wisdom on the show. And Koo's name in Japanese means air, because of course it does. So Koo tries to convince Takori to let Kirby stay there, but Takori's like, no. And Koo's like, maybe you should try to find another tree. And so what happens is Tiff realizes, hey, why don't we just build Kirby a treehouse? Just like that. And he's like, all right. So cut to everyone building Kirby a treehouse. And we get to see Kirby trying to help out. He's carrying a log with him. It's a little log. And it's really cute because it's always really cute. And he runs into Rick. Rick the hamster is another of Kirby's animal friends from Kirby's Dreamland 2. He's a white and orange hamster who is, for some reason, has an Austrian accent in this anime. Hi, mate. You must be Gabby. He helps Kirby along and is gone for the episode. As I said before, in the Japanese version, it's voiced by Makiko uh, Omoto, which is also the voice of Kirby. We're going to see more of Rick and Koo later on in the future, so we'll talk about them in future episodes. So Takori reports to King Dedede that Kirby is getting a house built, so King Dedede decides if he can't take out Kirby the sneaky way, then he'll do it the freaky way. Those are the exact words he uses. Luckily, when he says freaky, he means a monster. (laughs) So he calls up Nightmare Enterprises, and they give him a brick. King Dedede is rightfully confused, but the salesman tells him it's a super dense monster, and that it'll grow. And so it does, into a giant sumo golem. It then jumps in the air and destroys the floor, and floors under it. Like, it jumps up and just goes bam, and bam, 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 bam. Like the, uh, are they called womps? I think they're called womps. It goes, goes, mmm, it's like, mmm, 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 like those things that hit the ground. He basically does that, but he falls through the floor and just keeps falling through floors. So the next scene I really love, 
and that is King Didi and Escargoon get on the throne, and it takes them to an elevator where they descend the castle and watch the monster named Blocky crash down many floors of the castle. You get to see them go and pace with it, and it looks just really cool. Eventually, though, they descend faster than Blocky, and they get under Blocky at the 36th floor, and Blocky crash lands on top of them. But I guess they're really strong because they're either using their full weight or Blocky's just standing there because King Didi and Escargoon are trying to push him up so he doesn't crush them. King Didi is super impressed and can't wait to use Blocky on Kirby. Escargoon, by the way, says he's heavier than, than King Didi, which uh, King Didi doesn't say anything about. Surprising. Maybe, uh, maybe King Didi's just okay with his weight. So the home gets finished and they have a party to celebrate, but King Didi interrupts the celebration and tells the crowd to disperse. The writing here is interesting because it is so very American, but the Japanese version is quite similar as well. King Dedede calls them rioters and even says they're resisting and blasts Kirby's house with their tank. Japanese version, he just says they're, they're savages, like they're tribal people, they should disperse, and he shoots at them for not dispersing. Kirby is clearly sad about his house getting destroyed, and he runs up to what's left of the house, but before he can get over there, King Dedede's tank runs over what's left of it. He then puts down the brick, which confuses everyone, but then it becomes blocky, and BAM! Kirby gets crushed by Blocky over and over and over. He does it a lot. This is Kirby beat number three, and it is rough. Kirby gets flattened into a sheet, but then Tiff and Tuff puff him back up, and Kirby tries to suck up Blocky, but he's just too big. There's a nice touch in this scene when Kirby tries to suck up Blocky, where they do this cool far shot, and they show a lizard grabbing onto a tree trying not to get sucked by a Kirby, and it just looks really funny. I like the suck gag a lot. So Blocky ignores Kirby's sucking and then flattens him again. Tiff does the courageous thing, though, is she runs over and jumps under Blocky, the one he's about to do another slam, gets Kirby and throws him like a frisbee into the distance, luckily not getting crushed herself. So what happens next is Kirby flies into the distance as a frisbee and crashes into Takori's tree. And Takori's really mad about Kirby being there, like, what the heck? And then Blocky runs over and destroys Takori's tree, trying to kill Kirby. Takori asks King Dedede, why the heck did he do that when they're allies? And here's the trip. King Dedede fires his tank shell at Takori, point blank. Somehow doesn't murder the bird, and the bird flies away. King Didi resolves to find Kirby, and Meta Knight is hiding in the background. And every time he shows up on the screen, they're playing that Mexican guitar. We'll talk more about Meta Knight in episode 3, where he'll be more prominent. Know for now that he is a knight that works for King Didi. He's a major boss in, like, every single Kirby game. Almost every single. It looks like maybe one or two where he's not there. I think he's in every single one, though. I'd have to double check. And he knows more about Kirby than anyone else for some reason in the show. But that'll get explained in time. Kirby with Tiff and Tuff are hiding in the cliffs at the beach. Tiff doesn't understand how Kirby couldn't suck up Blocky, but Midnight shows up, Mexican guitar again, and explains to them that Kirby's opponent is just too big to suck up. Meta Knight tells them that they need to find a way to use Blocky's strength against him, then leaves all mysterious. Tuff doesn't understand why King Dedede's knight would help them, but Tiff says they don't have time to think about it. Which they don't, they gotta get Kirby going. So they do training time! They show Kirby sucking up a bunch of smaller rocks, and then they have him try to suck up a big boulder, just training him up to fight Blocky. And Kirby's making good progress on this giant boulder, but eventually just isn't strong enough to keep it going, and it falls back down the cliff. Tiff realizes that this is the way they're going to beat Blocky. Now, I'm going to be honest here, I didn't exactly realize what they went for here, what they were going to go for here. I thought they were just going to make Blocky fall down a cavern and get stuck or something, and then he's just stuck there forever. But no, that's not what happens. Here's what happens. King Diddy shows up saying he heard a lot of sucking, so Kirby has to be here. I, I really feel like there should have been a joke. He's like, I hear a lot of sucking and Escargoon's here, so it's not him, so Kirby's got to be over here. I really feel like that could have been a good, a good joke there. So King Dedede and Blocky have the high ground on the cliffs. Tiff calls down from below and then tells Kirby to use Inhale. King Dedede backs off from this, 
so he doesn't get sucked. But he's confident in Blocky because Blocky's just too big to get sucked. But Blocky can't keep his footing from all the sucking and starts tumbling down the cliff towards Kirby. This causes Blocky to break apart as he's falling towards Kirby, and Kirby sucks in a piece and becomes Stone Kirby. Yay, another power. The remaining parts of Blocky attack and beat up Kirby, making this baby beating number four. But Kirby gets up and turns to a big rock Kirby. Now, I should say how he looks in case you don't see it. Different Kirby powers give him different colors sometimes. With Fire Kirby, he's more of a pink-red. When it comes to Stone Kirby, he's more of like a gray-black-blue. And that's just because, you know, he's a stone, so they try to make him stone-colored. But when he turns into a giant stone Kirby to fight off these mini-blockies, he becomes a big pink Kirby rock. And they just attack him, but they can't do any damage to him. Kirby eventually jumps up in the air just like Blocky did and crushes all the Blockies. But they come back together kind of like T-1000s, so Kirby runs away towards a cliff over the water. The mini Blockies become a giant Blocky again and they jump on Stone Kirby repeatedly. But by doing this, the cliff breaks off and they both sink into the ocean. Thus, in a way, Kirby defeats Blocky. By the way, these mini Blockies are in the Kirby games as far back as Kirby's Dream Land 2, where they're just called Blocky as well. Blocky just sinks to the bottom of the water while Kirby floats up, because he's not a stone anymore, and he bumps into Kine, the third and final member of the animal friends from Kirby's Dream Land 2. He's a fish, he's got he's just a big old fish, we'll see more of him later. Kirby bumps into him, spits out the mini Blocky, and you get to see how Kirby just loses powers. So all the Blocky sinks to the bottom of the ocean, so they're gone. This is actually considered one of the few times Kirby doesn't kill a monster. Although... He didn't do the killing. That monster is just done. They're just at the bottom of the sea now and sucks to be them. Kirby rises to the surface where everyone cheers for his victory, except, of course, King Dedede. He cries out his loss and Escargoon makes my favorite pun of the episode with, Well, sire, it just goes to show you shouldn't take your monsters for granted. How long has he been waiting to say that pun? How long? I really want to know because there's no way he didn't. He just thought of that right then and there. There's no way. So after all that, the town builds Kirby another house, and as Kirby jumps on his bed happily, Takori shows up from the bed and kicks Kirby out, saying it's his home now. In the end, Kirby sleeps in the tree, and everyone has a laugh about Kirby getting his treehouse. Like, there's a tree next to the house, so he has a treehouse. And, yeah, Takori's a total jerk. A total jerk, but sometimes he lets Kirby in, so Kirby can actually be in his own house. Everyone has a laugh about Kirby just having a treehouse finally, and that's the end of the episode. Kirby looking very cute at the end. Kirby endures so much. Like, I, 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 I've beaten this a little bit, but despite how badly he's treated, Kirby just keeps having this happily cheery disposition and rolls with the situation. Kirby's going to eventually get in that house, and he will have scenes where it's just him and Takori in the house. They're sharing moments together, and it's very cute whenever Kirby gets to actually sleep in his bed. There's gifts of that. And all in all, I really enjoyed this episode. Plenty of humor, saw a bunch of characters, and there was some action. Like, everything you want from the show happened in this episode. Enjoyed it a lot, and I really like the show. It just, yeah. <laughs> so before we head out, let's talk about the closer. In the American version, it's just an instrumental of Kirby, 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 with Calista Curry's powers and the credits. But the Japanese version is pretty interesting. So the first one from episode 1 to 71 is this really cute song from the one who sang the Kirby march. And it teaches how to draw Kirby and King DDD. And it's pretty good. I know to draw Kirby better because of it works out pretty well. Now the second closer from episode 72 to 100 these episodes came out in 2003, while the American translation came out in 2002. It is clearly, clearly influenced from Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. It's boisterous, it's loud, it is fun, and it just, it just sounds so much like Kirby Right Back at you's opener around the beginning, and then they just have fun singing Kirby. And it's just good, they're showing clips of Kirby and stars uh, as the closer goes, and it's great. I really like that closer. 
Favorite clothes has probably got to be the drawing one just because you learn how to draw Kirby, which that's great. And that's one of the other reasons why Kirby's so simple is it's a character that kids can draw, that anyone can draw. And that's awesome. So one more thing to note is there is no preview in the American version. They never do it, but the Japanese version has previews and they give away a lot in these previews. My favorite one's going to be when Kirby finds an egg and I got to show that one probably when that episode comes up. But that's pretty much everything as far as interesting stuff goes. The only thing left to mention probably is they airbrush out all the Japanese characters in the show for the American version, which uh, happens in Chef Kawasaki's restaurant. The place where you see a picture of Chef Kawasaki on the wall, there's there was originally, I think, Kanji there. And that's not there anymore. So that right there is Kirby Right Back at you episode two. And let me know with feedback how you feel about this episode. Uh, do you think it is improved? Any other things that could be improved on? We're going to be doing this for the long haul, so the better we get at it, the better it is for all of us, because I really want everyone to enjoy this podcast. I like this a lot. I, I love talking about Kirby, obviously, so I'm having a lot of fun talking about it. I'm actually wearing a Kirby shirt right now. <laughs> and yeah, that is Kirby's Dreamcast, episode two. Next time, we're going to cover episode three, which is going to be a lot about Meta Knight in there, or it's going to have a lot to do with Meta Knight, and can't wait to talk about that one. It's, it's a pretty good episode. And, yep, I had fun talking about it watching and listening, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for by, and see you next time. And in case you didn't know, this is released on Podbean and on YouTube. So if you found it on YouTube, there's also a podcast link you can go to to, see, to listen to this one and our other podcast. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can also watch it on YouTube, because we do a little bit of clips here and there that you can see during the podcast, depending on if you want to just see that stuff. We don't do a lot, but it's there available in YouTube form as well. See you next time.